Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, welcome again to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, since you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I love music and movies. And so because of that, I end up watching lots of movies. And for some reason this last week, I was feeling like I needed to watch the movie Liar, Liar. It's a great movie. I think it came out in 97 with, uh, if you've seen it, you, you know it, okay, with Jim Carrey. And uh, because there were certain things that were kind of calling to me, like I needed to watch these certain scenes again. So my wife and I watched it this last week. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a nerd. I, I'm grateful and in awe at how many people it takes to make a movie. So I'm one of those guys that sits in the movie theater and just watches the credits until the end. Plus, <laughs> if you don't do that, you might want to, because some of the movies, there's bloopers and other stuff at the end that you miss. But as I was sitting there after the movie and the, and the screen was, was rolling, I saw Sharpo the Clown played by Eric Sharp. And I went, holy shit, I know Eric. I got to reconnect with him. And so that's what we're doing today. And uh, so excited to have Eric Sharp on the podcast. So with that, let's roll that episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. <laughs> hey, Eric, how you doing, man? I'm good, Jason. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's... Uh... It's it, it's good to be back together with you. I know we we talked on a, on an earlier podcast episode a few years ago, I think, right? Yeah, with Kathy. And, um, yeah, with Kathy, and and thought it would be good to just 
get together again with you. It's been a while since we've talked and I always like the idea of two old guys getting together and talking because <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've learned something in our years, right? Well, if we find a couple of old guys, we can bring them into the conversation. There Otherwise, we <laughs> we're, we're young guys. We're young guys. <laughs> but no, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you have you here. And, and um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we hit record, so we'll we'll see where this all goes. But yeah. Um, you I left know, it all pre-recording. I, I, yeah. I, I, did it. I got it all out. I got nothing left. You got nothing left? I know. I got plenty. It's all, uh, <laughs> well. So, and, and and so let's let's give the people a little a little background because you you've been in yeah. the entertainment business for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, so, so maybe just give. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Sharpo's been around for a little while, so just maybe kind of explain that because there were a couple of questions I wanted to ask you about that. And, okay. and then we'll kind of move into some of the other things that, yeah. you know, you and I have been talking about that we think other people might be interested in hearing too. Sure. Well, as a child, I guess, uh, I, I, my first live performance, I was five, five years old and I sang at the Fernwood resort. A family went on vacation. They scrimped and saved and we all went on vacation and there was a uh, dinner in the restaurant or the, the, and there was a band playing and they were taking requests. And I, I had wanted to hear Sweet Gypsy Rose by Tony Orlando. And they said, well, you can sing it. And I said, okay, because I know how to clear a room. Even at five years old, I figured they just wanted to get. Yeah. So I sang the song and what I remembered of. I was five and I got a nice little applause break. And I think I would have been the audience favorite until this beautiful little girl came out and sang take me out to the ballpark and really she hit a home run and then everyone forgot all about old sharpo you know uh so but that was my first live performance i had zero um awareness that i was in front of a group and we know that a lot of people don't like to speak in front of a group or they're shy i did not have that meter in the first grade, I, I remember and a report, and I was a bullied kid. I was beat up and bullied and thick, thick glasses and always a runny nose and always had my asthma inhaler. And I could, you know, so I didn't have a lot of friends, even as a very small kid. In the first grade, we had to do a, an oral report, and I, I did one. I, don't, I was about horseback riding because I, mm -hmm. so I drew a picture of the helmet and the horse and I gave it to the class. And when I was done, the whole class erupted in, in applause. These were people who wouldn't talk to me before. And they said, you're going to be a public speaker. Or something. And it was it's just, so it had a great effect on me, but I didn't have the discipline to follow one path. So I was in music and then I was in theater and then I was in comedy and then I was in magic and I wanted to do all of it. And I couldn't, you know, I didn't, I, didn't have the discipline to put all my energy behind one thing. So I've had a very long career in the arts where I've gotten to do everything. I've, I've published and composed music and songs. I got to play CBGBs in New York city with a band. Wow. I, I got to be on, on stage um, in performing arts centers, doing theater. I got to do co-starring roles in sitcoms on television. I got to be on star Trek as an alien. I, and, uh, never made a lot of money, but I always had a really rich life. You know, one of the, what got me into Sharpo was um, I was Eric Swirsky, 
and I was an extra in the movie Malcolm X in New York. And I got bumped up. I got a line in the movie. It was wow. Hey, yeah. Well, yeah. Because because then you go from extra to actually having a line. That's a, even yeah. if it's one line, it's a big deal. It was a big deal. You don't even see me say it. You hear me because they cut wide. I say eight two nine one nine four five, which was the prison number on the unit. We were playing prisoners in in, uh, in the jail scenes. But I got to stand okay. right next to Denzel Washington and Spike Lee directed me. And I got my Screen Actors Guild card, and I was delighted. And then okay. the movie came out. My name was Eric Swersley in the credits. <laughs> and I, so oh, the editors yeah. fucked it up at the end. Yeah. I should have you been Eric the IMBD credit, though, didn't you? I would have been the only Eric Swersley in the world. <laughs> so... I, I so I, I I changed it because I didn't want to you know I'd always not really liked my name it's a great proud name Swirsky but I had felt I didn't feel like a Swirsky and I wanted a name people could pronounce and it sounded so I I you know phone book Sharp there's a good one I just picked Sharp and I became Eric Sharp uh, went I went from being like two Eric Swirskys you know that you could find in the world at that time now there's a phone book full of them but to like one of 10,000 Eric Sharps. <laughs> it was, but, but I was Eric Sharp one on IMDb and I was Eric Sharp and SAG. A few years ago, I added Howell, which is my middle name because okay. my full name. And I want I've had this, I guess it, I, I'm narcissistic enough to want to feel like a unique person. So being Eric Howell Sharp helped. And I guess that was the, um, the genesis of the sharp o which was uh, became yeah. about as the trademark for my entertaining at parties in between you know tv and gigs i was eric sharp and they said you know we need someone to go to a party so uh what's your name Sh sharp o the clown yeah there you go adam and, Alda, the end of it and here we go <laughs> and there you're off to the races and um after liar liar came out I actually trademarked the name with a Sharpo with an exclamation point. My brother got me the URL, Sharpo.com, which I had never, didn't know what a URL was. And who knew what that was in 1970, uh, 1990 something. Yeah, nobody did. Nobody. <laughs> so that was pretty good. And I've kept it ever since and a lot of variations of it. So, uh, so that was the genesis of Sharpo. And I've had a, a really great time. I've written, I've, acted i produced um this year i got nominated for best actor in um a short film for the maverick film festival that really touched me it, it, my brother-in-law who wrote and directed this little film i got to do a three-minute film called pitted which is just this ridiculous little piece of uh, not even horror it's a he's mashing cherries like but he's mass he's massacring them and he's like this and he's going after the cherries and it, you know i was basically doing like jack nicholson from the joker <laughs> you know just really and i got this best actor nod from what a, what is a very prestigious film festival the maverick film festival so it kind of was very validating for me uh so that's that's the story of Sharpo, you know. Well done. And yeah, yeah. The, well, the yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say because it's always interesting to me too yeah. because people that are in entertainment, especially if their last name's a little hard to ex pronounce or other stuff, yeah. usually change it, right? Because I remember the old story like Charles Bronson. 
he, he was on Paramount's lot and they're like, oh, you're pretty good, but we're not going to use your last name. So pick another, li- pick another name, right? Ah. So he walks off the lot and Bronson is, is one of the streets that goes right. into it. And he looks up and he sees the Bronson sign and that's how he became Charles Bronson. Is there a story behind why you picked Sharp or did that just? Uh, I, there was a, I, I really, first I looked at Stone. I wanted to be Eric Stone because I thought like Rolling Stones. I love the Stone. Yeah. And, uh, but there was already a famous acting teacher named Eric Stone in Hollywood. So when I called SAG, because I was picking, I was going working with SAG to pick my name, you know, right. and uh, they, so I said, huh. And then I said, well, okay, I like Bowie. Bowie's a knife. Knives are sharp. How about Eric Sharp? Yeah, that's available. Okay. <laughs> that was. <laughs> ah, okay. So it came from the Bowie knife. It was that. So, so which is interesting, right? Because because David Bowie was, I think, David yeah. Jones, right? But there was. Right. I think that and was, he had that to change was, that. Yeah. He had to change it. And that's where he, he came up with uh, Bowie because of the yeah. knife and because of. Yeah. Bronson anyway. was smart because nobody could drive past that street without seeing his name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have changed my name to Paramount. <laughs> Yeah, you might have gotten in trouble for that one, but anyway. <laughs> no, it's it's well, it, it's interesting, and, and it's it's um, you, you know. So let, let let's go back a little bit too, because because you said you were a bullied kid, and I and yeah. I was a little bit too, right? I mean, I I I had glasses early on. I had big ears. I had the same size ears that I have now when I was like six. Oh, they don't so, look great to me. They, I know that now they don't look so bad. The rest of you honestly, caught up to them. Yeah, the rest of you caught up. <laughs> so I'd had kids grab my ears and do all yeah. kinds of stuff. And I think, you know, a lot of people have experienced some of that kind of stuff growing yeah. up. Yeah. Right? And some people let it define them. Other people let it inspire them. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I think it's, you know, it, it's interesting even, you know, to this point where you, you changed your last name, but you're still who you are. I do think it helped me a little bit because um, I think we allow, you know, to me, I identified being that person. That was the person that was bullied. I, it was almost like you get to reinvent yourself a little bit, you know, and when I was already here in a new place and it was just a different environment. And I think a lot of it was socioeconomic for us too. We were, not only was I a sickly kid, which kind of you know, a very funny looking kid, but we were the poor kids in a upper middle-class neighborhood. Yeah. We, we were the Malcolm in the middle house. The one house with the, with the couldn't keep up with the yard work and we could never wear the right clothes. We, everyone else was wearing designer jeans and we're shopping at, you know, the wrestlers. That's what my mom bought me wrestlers. <laughs> we were big Yanks. Yeah. Nothing oh, okay. is going to get you in more trouble as a small child than going to school in big Yank jeans. That was I forgot really- about those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it, it adds character though, right? I mean, it adds character and, and, I, and you're somebody who's, who, who's taken some of those things and if, you know, you're who you are and I, I haven't let those you. things limit you, but have, have let you kind of use those creatively to become who you are now. I think some of it sticks with you in life and you, you know, some of those things where, where you, might allow other fears to take hold because you remember those traumatic moments. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It affects decisions you make in your life 
because you don't want to feel the pain that came with that before. So overcoming that, finding that moment where you are, and I think it's just becoming aware, say, well, am I acting out of fear? Am I afraid to put myself at stake here? I go this swing, doctor, I go this <laughs> swing, I get really like bold and brave and, and I'm going to go for it and I'll do this, make a video on YouTube and put myself out there in the world or I'll make that post on Facebook or I'll just go do the thing or audition and I'm all, you know, and then I'll have those, and then you second guess yourself nine times to Sunday after it's done going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should back off. And it's almost like the tide, you get the tide goes out, you, you, you ride it out and then you'd have to know when to to kind of go, okay, now I'm going to reflect a little bit. So if you time your work, I think with kind of with the universe, you know? Well, cause that's, that's, that's how it works. And even from a performance perspective, I mean, you've seen that, right? I mean, there, there, there's times when you feel like you're on your game, when it just feels like the universe is flowing through you. Yeah. And there's other times when you don't. Right. And that, that's yeah. kind of the bane of being an artist is yes. like, yeah. I got to write this fucking book, but <laughs> I can't. Right. Or I got to, I got to, you know, line, <laughs> line. <laughs> so the, the good news is for me, and I, I think that it is the moment where you say, but it's those down moments where you can't connect. You can't find that, that, that inspiration or that connection to the universal or the audience. And you, but I'm doing my best. And you go, and that carries you because guess what? It tends to be that when you're off, so are they. They're also just doing their best that day. It's almost like we're all kind of going through. There are some things we think we're going through a moment of despair and it's unique to us. But that day, it's like everybody's on that wavelength. And it's knowing that you go, okay, so, and I, I think as artists, and, you know, uh, it's our job to kind of be in tune with that notion so that we can adjust our work because, you know, and any professional has to put on a smile, you know, patient comes in and they're sick and they're, you know, and you have to be, how are you today? Even if their day is going crappy, you can't go to the dentist and the dentist is having a bad day. Nobody, okay, open up. Come here, I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's a there's a few people like that <laughs> that are out there, but yeah, we usually we usually have to put on put on the brave face, and I, and I think it's it's interesting because because I just want to highlight a little bit of what you said there too, because I I don't want people to kind of jump past it of, you know, if we're having an off day, other people might be having an off day too, right? right? And, and a lot of times the way to get out of the off day is to just do something, just do the best we can. Yeah. You know, again, like you said, if, you know, somebody walks in the store or you're, a, you're a nurse, let's say in the hospital right. and you're dealing with somebody who has some life threatening thing, even if you've had a really shitty day, you got to put on a smile for a little while Yeah. and, and help make that, that person stay brighter. And what's interesting is the more we do that and the more we kind of force ourselves to do it, yeah, the more it comes. I, I remember there's a Hemingway quote where he said, you know what? My muse shows up every day at nine o'clock, <laughs> you know, because he's, he's kind of like these people that say writer's block, you know, bull, right? My muse shows up at nine o'clock every day. How do I know that? Because that's the, that's the time when my butt hits the seat and I start typing. 
right? Now, there were certain days when Hemingway was off. He didn't write very much, but his butt got in the seat every day and he did yeah. something. Right. There were other days probably where he wrote nonstop, I would guess, for maybe a day or two. I mean, sometimes that, that comes through. Yeah, the fever yeah. comes through and you yeah. just go until you feel like it's it's been drained out of you. Yeah, you got to exercise the demon while you can. <laughs> if the if the demon is there to dance, you you dance. <laughs> That's well, it. I mean, but yeah, and I do think you know sometimes it is muscling through or just going through. It's not even muscling through. It's it's almost a stoicism where you go. I there's not. You can't just go back to bed today. I there there's not. You you must show up. And, you know, you must suit up, you must show up and just do your best and your best may suck today. But, uh, and, that, and it, it's kind of okay because, uh, you know, there, there are, um, somebody, I really heard a great quote the other day when you, um, when you lose, you win experience, <laughs> or something like that some profound thing and it, it it struck me i said oh yeah that's you know it's a great great way to put on you know make the best of a uh you know of what might have otherwise been a devastating and, and as an actor or an entertainer uh or magician and you go through and the show is good you bask for you know I, you know you relive those moments where, you, where it landed and you got away with the trick or you or the audience hit they were with you the ones where it goes bad, you you relive those over and over again too. It's like, oh, how did it go so wrong? How how could I wow, it I hit the floor running and then this came at me and then this and they don't know what they could have had. And it's like this reliving this horror. <laughs> and the only thing that gets rid of it is the next show. That's the only thing. Well, and, and and like you said, kind of powering through. Yeah. Right. Because if you've had a bad show, you're on the next night. You know, yeah. what are you what are you thinking about when you go on the stage? If you're thinking about the show from the night before, it wasn't so good. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, you have to just remember it's never about you. It's always about being of service to them. This is for them. It's not for you. This is my work, and my work is important to me. I want to do my best, but it's never about me. It's about their experience. I want them to have a good experience. And, uh, you know, uh, you talked about the nurse who has to take care of the patient no matter if you know her home life may have gone to hell she may have a tragedy in her own hell her house might have burnt down and she may have had to show up and there were people a couple of years ago with all the california fires their house was burning down and they had to show up to the hospital because they were saving lives mm-hmm. and the perspective of saying okay it's always about being of service and being of service saves it's like it is a soul saver every time because at least for the time you're caring for this other human being or other people, you're completely out of your own stuff. That's all like, I'll get to that later. What was it? What about Bob? Is he taking the kids? <laughs> There's a lot of these good movies I got to go back and re- revisit again, too. Take a vacation <laughs> for my problems. <laughs> At Lake Winnipesaukee. Uh. You know, but it, but it's interesting. And this, this is one of the reasons why I love performers so much, you know, or entertainers. Well, you should just use a broad term, regardless of what yeah. it is, right? Because 
the ones that are really good understand it's about service and it's about the audience. Yeah. Right? And, and they show up and they perform that way. And you can, you can tell, I mean, you can tell regardless of what kind of an entertainment venue you're at, yeah. you can tell whether the people are in it yeah. to serve. And if they're in it to actually bring that joy and service to the audience or whoever right. it is that they're dealing with. Right? right. And you can tell those that aren't, they're just kind of going through the motions. They're stiff. You kind you feel sorry for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead. And, and I think it's, it's to, to me, it's an important lesson that everybody needs to learn as well. Yeah. If you're the nurse, if you're the person in the convenience store, if you're, you know, some corporate employee somewhere who, you know, has some job to do, right? The way that we interact with and relate with the people around us, if we switched our mindset into what I'm doing is serving and helping the other person, and I, I may get to be the, the ray of sunshine in this person's life yeah. for today, right? Maybe yeah. their life is shitty, their house just burned down. They're contemplating suicide or I, I don't know what, you know, it, it's yeah. like we, we never know, but what we can help and actually serve that other person that's right in front of us. Even yeah. if we're not an entertainer, we can still serve and help another human being. I think we've all, and I know you're an intuitive person and you are an in tune person so i think you're probably keenly aware of the moments in your own life where someone has said the exactly what you needed to hear at exactly the right moment you go thank you it's like or the post that you scroll by on instagram that has the meme that you go yes thank you and it's, it's That's like what i had to hear today you know saved my life today and you know uh and we all have that chance to do that for each other, even if we're unaware that we're doing it i mean if we just you know kind of kind of just pivot to that service it kind of helps you know and uh and you never know whose life you save you know well and and <clears throat> like you said a lot of times we will we'll never know but you know if if we're trying if we're trying to do our best yeah. we can be an instrument to somebody right i mean it's, right. Yeah. when when one of my brothers died when i was a teenager wow. and i remember you know one of my friends took me out of the house you know because there we had like i mean all these adults were crying upstairs and it was like i just got to get out of here right I, yeah. I can't handle this so we we went and saw a movie or did something he took me out and it was that same kind of a situation right where he said certain things to me in the car as we were driving hmm. that i still remember and it would still you, helped you me at that time to say the right like coming up with something that would be comforting or just happened to be he just he was, was just talking he was just he talking was. and the interesting thing is like 20 25 years later right I, I i said you know doug thank you for blah 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 and he's like i didn't say that i'm <laughs> like oh no dude you said that i remember you said that right you know somehow that makes it richer to me yeah it's somehow that makes it more valuable is that it was just off the cuff being a good person to you, your friend, Doug, and that it had that impact. Somehow it's more valuable that yeah. this was Doug being Doug, being yeah. with his friend at a time of crisis. I mean, and I can't even imagine what it's like to process the loss of a brother in teenage years. I mean, what, you know, at, at, in my 50s, as you know, the end is nearer than the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, it, it's still hard to process the insanity and the, 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 
that the world makes no sense and, and that, uh, that, well, I mean, you know, it makes perfect sense, but it, it's, it's hard to process. It's hard to process. Well, and that's why it's, I, I love people like you that, that show up, you've got a big heart, you're trying to serve people all the time. And, you know, we all can do that. But right? I fight can... with everyone. I do. I don't want to pretend I don't. I am Larry David with hair. I fight with everybody. <laughs> I, I do. I, I find that the, the smallest thing will set me off. You, you, and uh, and a lot of people have have, had, have felt the forked tongue of Sharpo, who they had put on the wrong side when they got, yeah, you know. Um, and it's uh, usually... And a friend of mine in recovery once explained it to me. He said, you're, you're often right in what you're feeling. You're just way out of proportion in your response. It is like the meter is broken. You know, Turn it down from 11 to 4, right? Yeah. You know, but usually it's an injustice that I feel has either been perpetrated on me or on someone I care about or just an injustice in general that I feel I must speak up against, you know. Uh, I think I'm getting a little better at not doing that, but I still screw up, you know, you know, Oh, life's life's an evolution, right? I mean, we all, you know, we, we knock the corners of the rough diamond as we, uh, as we age and we get polished up through a lot of these experiences that we go through and, you know, a raw diamond doesn't look that pretty. It's it's all the adversity and life experience, if you will, that it goes through. The polishing this thing up for years, it's getting worse. <laughs> it's looking good. You got a good glow about you, you know. <laughs> yeah, but well, it, it, just a, is the people that stick with you after they've seen you at your worst. Yeah. Those those are the real gems in your life. The people that that have seen you at your worst and they accept you anyway, and they go. That's a human being being a human being and, you know, and accepting each other that, you know, but we, we, nobody likes to laugh at the happy guy. Nobody laughs at him. Nobody, they're, they're, they want to throw things at the happy guy. They see the guy going through stuff and then they can sympathize and empathize with them. Yeah. You know, right. Well, and, and I think it's interesting because one of the things that you had brought up before too was, was the, the term around fear. Yeah. And, and, and I think that this is, you know, because especially in today's environment, I mean, it's way different than when you and I grew up, totally different world, right? Where now yeah. everything is social media, everybody's so concerned about their image. Uh, a lot of people are kind of fake. Yeah. More so now because, you know, they're kind of afraid, like you said, afraid that people are going to reject them or whatever else. Well, social currency. Yeah. The social currency is a very big thing. Everyone's afraid of that. Uh, they want to have to have a five-star rating, you know, or they won't get get to work, you know. Uh, so in, in some ways, I think we, it's good to have not, I don't think, I want to call it a fear, but I think a pause where you check your message that if you're going to tweet something, and for me, when they first said it's got to be 140 characters or less to tweet something, so, well, that's an opportunity to, to craft your message. Yeah. Talk about the diamond cutting away, cut away what you, so you say exactly what you really, really need to say rather than get it muddied, you know? So I, um, in some ways I thought it was good, but yeah, fear, 
fear is a boy it kills everything doesn't it, it kills hopes it kills faith it kills um dreams because you're afraid to take action so you do nothing you're paralyzed with fear and um i would have done so many more things in my life had i not had fear you know and um I have no, I, I, you know, I don't want to complain about anything. I've had a beautiful, beautiful run in my life. You know, I've yeah. got a beautiful wife and terrific children. And, you know, uh, I live in beautiful California and I've got, yeah, I've gotten to, to be an artist and entertainer for my life. So I have zero regrets, except I know that I could have done more had fear not held me back. Well, and I think that's, that's an interesting you know, or an important lesson for people to hear, right? Because so much of the time we do let fear hold us back. And, yeah. and I think, you know, again, it's, it's one that I'm seeing more and more of is people not being true to who they are or not admitting who they are or what they like because they're trying to hide behind a facade, right? Yeah. And yeah. It, 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 it's kind of funny because I, I, uh, Oh, a couple months ago, I just got this bug in my head for the who. So I went through and like listened to a whole bunch of back catalog who stuff, right? And I was listening to um, Eminent Front. It's a put on. It's a put on, right? Put and on. and I, I always thought it was imminent, like about to happen. But no, it's eminent with an E, right? And it's okay. about putting up a mask, putting up something in front of us. It's a put on to try to hide it's a put on that's where that comes from right is Ooh. is it was kind of them looking at all of these famous people and other people that were around and i mean this was done the song had to have been in the 60s late 60s probably when they did it or early 70s that, the, that was a, a comeback for the who that was, was that a comeback in the 80s when they had some yeah it was okay. and it was uh, uh, revitalized the who so that's good mm -hmm. <laughs> but but it's just interesting how much you know are we going around with that in front of us or other people wow. going around with that because that, that that's what kind of gets us to be the yeah right <laughs> oh yeah wearing a mask that she keeps in a jar by the door who is it for wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door that was the uh, yeah 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 so, and, and and if we're doing that we really can't we're living in that fear we're living small and we can never truly be who we are and i think a lot of times truly yeah. be happy which is yes. something a lot of people want to be if you look at all the great great uh and i'll just use entertainers since that's my industry the ones that that and have succeeded and touched the lives of countless people are the fearless ones the truly fearless entertainers that'll, the comedian that'll say what he wants to say that will be who he wants to be you know carlin didn't become george carlin because he played it safe you know uh jim carrey had to be this wild manic jim carrey you know and with no apologies that's what you know uh and then he found it hard to reinvent himself as not that because that's what he had unleashed you know yeah. but all the great the rolling stones would not have been the world's greatest rock and roll band had they decided oh let's cut our hair and and just you know play it safe and be the beatles we already had the beatles you know uh we didn't need another beatles you know so their manager andrew luke oldham in his wisdom said you know you gotta be you guys
and uh, they, they, they kind of they were Pepsi to Coke, yes. Yeah, but they but they were also very true to what they liked yes. as well, right? So they they're yeah. they're one of those bands that you know again greatest rock and roll band. I love the Stones. They they incorporated a lot of you know R and B. Yeah, what, what at the time was historically considered black music. Yeah, Muddy Waters into what, into what they were doing, yeah. and they actually helped a lot of those artists. Yeah. You know as yeah. as well. Um, and, and covered a lot of their songs, incorporate a lot of the stuff in it because that's what they loved yep. too. Right. right. So not, not only were they were they the anti-Beatles, but they weren't fake. They weren't faking who they were. They were just yeah. letting themselves come through they authentically authentic. instead of trying to be another Beatles. Right. And that that truly, but they were fearless about it. And and that's the to me the key. That's what separates the winners from the 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 never wases or the uh, the ones that that go why why did the breaks fall in for me? And a lot of times, you know, an actor auditioning for parts in television, they get a script and then they they like what do they want me to be? What do they want me to play? What do they want? I don't know. How should I wear my hair? You know, what should I do? I, I found it for me it, it, it the the breaks I have gotten, which you know, always came when I I did. Like, no, I just was like, okay, what do you want me to read? Just hand, you know, and I just did the thing. And I didn't think at all about, oh, well, here's my character. You, were, you just, you're, yeah, you just came through as who you are. You just yeah, be your yeah, authentic yes. self. Or you make a choice. You don't wait for them to try and be something they want you to be. You say, I'm going to choose a choice. And then even if it's totally wrong, they admired that you were brave enough to make a choice. So many are afraid to do anything. Give me more, you know. I, what, what do you want me to be? I can do that, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I'm just sitting there going, man. What casting directors have to go through too, right? Because they see all of that. They can see, like, you know, that guy was just being robotic and was just trying to give us what we wanted, versus yeah. somebody like a Jim Carrey who, you know, again, it was it was interesting because Liar Liar was after some of the first ones where he was way so so animated but they they still had to put some of those antics into that movie too because people wanted to see it right but i think that might be kind of who he is too i don't know him personally but i would imagine that he's probably more animated in his real life too he's bigger than life isn't he yeah. i mean what he is he's bigger than life and, and uh, you know the world is so much richer because we have jim carrey in it you know and uh I, uh, that's what I'll say. I, I adore them, you know, but uh, yeah, as far as casting directors go, yeah, I think that they root for everyone who walks in the door and the minute they, they walk in, they're rooting for you. They don't, they don't want to send that. Nobody wants to be the, the person who says, get the hell out of my office, you know, but they also know it when they see it, when it's real, they go, thank goodness I got one because it's probably one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand that walks in and that has that just complete freedom from fear. Just, and maybe it's even smaller than that, that complete absolute freedom to just fly. And they go, Oh, get the camera. We got to capture this. We have to <laughs> capture this. This is lightning in a bottle here. We have to have that. And that is, that is what, where the legends come from, you know, well, and it's interesting because as you're saying this, you know, I'll just pause for the listeners too, because it's, I, I try to tell people what we're talking about is what we're talking about, but it's not what we're talking about. That's right. right. <laughs> <Subject>. so, yeah. <laughs> so, 
So what if, just like Eric said, right? You know, this is how casting directors are like, right? Yeah. Actor shows up, they're rooting for you when you walk through the door. They want to see your success. Yeah. But they just want you to show up and be and and put the energy into it without the fear. Right. And just kind of be who you are, right? Because like because like you said, when when the people show up and do that, I mean, I, I can't imagine the first time the gym showed up and did some of his antics like that they were like where the fuck did this guy come from right but the, we've never seen anything like this we well for every success it. he had there may have been quite a few said uh not right for this he's completely wrong or that guy's a lunatic he, he, i don't want him in my office again and those are some of the risks you run when you're fearless so and only one person can get a part. So you may have 20 people that are that was pretty good, you know, and, and they have a tough job. You know, obviously, when you see a, 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 a film or television program that you love, it's usually because you, you just really love the casting. They cast it right. They, they got the right guy to, to be the hero for you. They got the right villain. They got the right all those people that, that you wanted to spend time with, you know. Well, because the interesting thing is, what if right? Because we're all living our own Truman story. That's right? an actual, so, it's an actual, that's an actual movie. That's an actual movie. That you can watch. The Truman syndrome, they call it. Right? <laughs> yep. it's a, yeah. So what if, you know, again, because we're all living out a script of life, yeah. a story that we're choosing to do. And what if all the people in our lives are like those casting directors, and they're just hoping and waiting for us to show up and be who we really are without any fear? Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? And you're trying to teach me who, something. Who's to say it's? Who's to say, <laughs> I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm just. I'm just Talking saying directly to me. <laughs> My well, soul. Yeah. Usually, usually, what I what I say is whatever I'm saying. I'm saying back to me, right? Because like when you point your finger through your back at you. <laughs> so if you spot whatever, it, you got it. I know, right? <laughs> he who dealt it smelt it, right? <laughs> I think I think that is a that is a let's put that on a meme. <laughs> Jason Medford. He yeah. who smelt it. He who smelt I, of course somebody else probably said that first, I'm sure, since we <laughs> but it's you, you know, again, it's it's um yeah, the older I get, the more it's it's just interesting how truth is stranger than fiction yeah and, and how a lot of these things that we talk about and that we see objectified or that we see play out in other things like movies tv shows or an easy yeah. thing to look at but how much of that is a reflection of actually what's going on in our life and who we're choosing to be right who's the actor that we want to be in our life we get to choose That's it. right yeah you know, and when we get knocked down, we get to decide to get back up and do it again, right? I mean, yeah. you've done that plenty of times in your life, too. Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's no, you don't really have a choice. You know, I guess you could just lay there until someone picks you up. <laughs> Some people do. Yeah. Some people do. Yes, you know, and, you know, uh, I, I couldn't be that person. I have to get up again. I have to keep, you know, uh, I'm, at, I'm at a place now where uh i i guess i'm trying to realize everything is small all problems are you know don't sweat the small stuff what was that book but yep. that is the the notion that this seems like a big deal right now but it isn't 
what do you what do you and I, then I come back to the word fear what are you afraid of what's the what's the worst thing my dad would always say that what's the worst thing that could happen you know so you know if, if i'm not the kind of person that's going to engage in behavior that will and land me in jail you know so i don't i don't worry too much about loss of freedom you know uh i i worry about being embarrassed i go well what's the worst thing can happen i'm a little embarrassed that i'm amusing you that's my job anyway so okay so I'm amusing you. um are we not amused uh you know, uh, I guess there's society wants to keep people afraid. They cannot sell deodorant if you are not afraid you will smell bad without it. They are they cannot give you a solution unless they also give you a problem. <laughs> so they constantly keep you afraid, afraid of being sick. So we, you know, not that we don't have a pandemic. I'm not going to pretend that that these. Yep aren't there but uh and i'm vaccinated and i'm masker i'm i'm on board i'm you know playing you know i'm complying with life but uh in pre-pandemic times let's say people would you know they cancel uh nyquil if you're not sniffy snuffly sneezing you know they 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 want to keep people in a, a, a madison avenue wants you to be on edge yeah. Because that way they can sell more things. So, you know, <laughs> it reminded me of, I think it was a Vicks commercial or one of them where it was like, you know, very serious mothers. Did you know it's cold and flu season and your little children will get sick, but here's Vicks NyQuil or whatever it was, right. That they were, that they were promoting. That's right. like you said, they have to, they have to provide a problem. That's right. That they can then give you the solution for, but most of the time we don't really have, have those problems i like that idea of it, things are usually smaller than well, the older you get the smaller the problems are you know you 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 realize a lot of the things you thought you wanted you didn't don't even miss the things you thought you needed you don't miss you know well i woke up in a comfortable bed and i'm i'm, I'm talking to people who are hearing us that have that have the comforts of home uh, those that are, are struggling and suffering, you know, we should do our best to help them. But for most people that, that have a bed to sleep in, that have a roof over their head, that, that there is no shortage of food or water uh, or the morning coffee, uh, you know, that you have gas in your car, all the other things are, you know, you did it, you won, you won it life because you, you have the comforts of home and the necessities of life. So if you have those things and then you find love, you know, and you find that you, you can be loving, then everything else really is small. It, it, these are things that we just fret about. And I remember doing Biloxi Blues in college and Arnold Epstein was my character and the, the, the line that is in my head 35 years, 30 years later, 35 years later was uh, without problems. The, the day would be over at 11 o'clock in the morning without problems. The day would be over at 11 o'clock in the morning. And it's such a beautiful line to me that we, we create stuff. We create drama just so that we give meaning to our day. <laughs> we have to have some things to overcome. <laughs> mm hmm you know? Yeah, but like you said, with with the, with the the benefit of some time or of going through some of the experiences, the more you do that, the more you realize. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to, to live long enough, you you start you know you, you let go of a lot of that other stuff. If you're yeah. lucky enough to live long enough, you know, 
Because then you do get the arthritis. <laughs> well, no worries. I've got a drug that'll help you with that one. But it, oh, but it, may, lead, it. But it, but it may lead to erectile dysfunction and it may lead yeah. to blah, 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 right? But anyway, in all those drug commercials, it's like, why the fuck would you actually take that drug if all those are the side effects? I know, right? Woo! Yes. Yeah, that's uh, quite a long list you got there. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. Yeah. <laughs> remember that no i don't oh uh snl commercial happy fun ball and it has a the kids are playing with this ball and it says uh you know some side effects may include from happy and it had like the list <laughs> and on and on and on it says happy fun ball out of this planet happy fun ball if happy fun ball starts heating step away and call 911 <laughs> and the very last line of the the commercial is do not taunt happy fun ball it's very funny yeah no i yeah. got that one now when you now when you throw that line again I'll, I'll know it it was it was funny that uh i think it was bob newhart i saw an interview with him one time he's like you know when you're around with with comedians we don't we don't tell the whole joke we just tell the punchline and everybody laughs because everybody knows the line <laughs> <laughs> so they can just get through jokes all the time, right? Because they're That's just it. Yeah, exactly. Right it. Yeah, let me get right to the punchline. This is not your call. Because <laughs> you use that, you pull that out in your in your act, I think, don't you? I have a few. Like if someone is trying to spoil the trick and they won't shut up, I have one that I just hold up and says, and they read it. I say, here, take a card, and they take it. And it says, stop being a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> and now here's your queen of spades you have your real card oh man well it's it's been great to uh reconnect with you my friend and laugh and oh. uh did we fly through that time already oh my god time, time time goes by quick you know when you're having fun and um yeah it's but i but i appreciate because like like i said you've 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 had a great life you've been a blessed man and you make me laugh you make other people laugh and, and this is and only two i'm only in act two you're only in act two well we'll have to I come got back a, for, a lot of more chapters i'm gonna hopefully write if well, that we'll have to we'll have to have you back for part three part four part five right sort of thing because it's uh it's uh, what we said today you know again i think hopefully people will have found it entertaining but it's you know this is one thing i'm doing more and more of the older i get the more I'm learning from everything around me. Oh. And so, like I said, I mean, I'll watch a movie and certain lines or certain things will kind of hit me that, that will make me kind of reflect more on those things. And so again, everybody listen, hopefully there was a couple of things that kind of pricked today. Um, but you know, if you go back and listen, when you, when you go back and listen to it again, there's probably going to be something else. Right, right. That's going to prick you, right? Every time we read a book, every time we watch a movie, there's something new. As long as I'm getting pricked. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> That's what she said? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Yay. Yay. Well, we, we, I think we kept it pretty mature for the yeah. most part. Yeah, we were grown-ups. For the most part. Right. Right. We were grown-ups about it, or, or mature in some other ways, right? So... <laughs> oh, Eric, thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's, thanks uh, a million for having me. It's great to see you. It's great, you know, 
You want to get you? You have to come down to LA and hang out in the Magic Castle with me. We'll go watch some show. I know, I do. That's one of those. I know it's opened again, so got to get got to get down there and hang out with you actually in person. Now that we can do, please that, do. So. I'd love to. I'd love to just spend some time with you in in, in the flesh. Yeah, you know, oh, that'd be good. Thank that'd be you. good. And I know, I know you mentioned at the beginning too, but uh, people can reach out to you. I think at sharpo.com, right? Yeah, sharpo.com is the website if you want to send some hate mail or whatever you want to say. <laughs> If you want to send some hate mail, you know, my Sharpo, yeah, there's a, a contact button on Sharpo that it's called it's like, it's like app. Yeah, or yeah. So yeah, write to me there. My handles on all the social media are either at Sharpo or at Eric Howell Sharp. So you can find me on those, you know. And um, yeah, connect with me. Let me know if you enjoyed the program and that and you know, and tell Jason he should have me on all the time. You know, wow. even if I just have a horn and every now and then I just set it up. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I got, a, I got a little mixing board. I got to get it set up so I have like some of the sound effects stuff that I can do in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> the buzzer goes off. <laughs> oh, so sorry. We're out of t- <laughs> oh, well, Eric, thank you again for, uh, for making me laugh. I had a good time. I hope you had a good time as well. And uh, everybody that listened, I'm sure they did as well. So thank you again. And uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode. See ya. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast and you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, join the Briefing Leadership Program where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, Head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.